ask him for, that we would come together and that he would be here with us. Here he is. Every single time. <sighs> like the creators in this room. The creator, everything. The one who knows how marriages should work. The one who knows how finance should work. The one who knows how our bodies should work. He's here in this room with us. And we're what attracted him. Think about that for a second. He's attracted to me. He's attracted to you. You realize that? You are so beautiful. He's so attracted to you. He loves to be around you. Absolutely loves to be with you. You're fun to be with to him. You know that. I'm going to shock you. It wasn't our songs that, had, that caused this to come in the room. It was us. It wasn't even the fact that this building is called a church. It's me and you. He said he didn't want to live in a house built with stone. He never wanted to live in a tent or a tabernacle. He wanted to live in our hearts. He's attracted to us. That means tomorrow on your way to work, in the frustrating traffic, what we feel in this room, he's attracted to us even in that moment. And he longs to be with us. He wants us to know him. He's not just 911. He's not just marriage counseling. I love those things. Those things are great. Thank God for them. We all need them. Healthy and unhealthy marriages need counseling. 911. We all need it from time to time, yeah? Thank God for 911. But He wants to be a living personal presence with us constantly. Amen? Amen. I love it when he does this. And I think I know how the service should go. (laughs) I was like, man, I really want to play that fourth song. (laughs) But this is what we want. How many would just, just for a sign, would you raise your hand and say, this is what I want? Yeah. Yes, God. It's a new year, so I have a word. It's not long. I know that's always a scary thing when I say that. I I do want to pull out the Bible right now and read the scripture. Second Corinthians five. That's where we're going to start. Second 
We do have miracles happening here. I do want to, I, we are going to take an offering after, at the end of service. I just want to tell you what God's doing here is, is awesome financially. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, you don't always know all the ins and outs, the, the Monday stuff at the church. Um, but it, just things have turned around. Let me just, just tell you, God has really turned things around financially here. Um, things are, are just, I, I can't even tell you everything up, up here. We'll have a business meeting in a few weeks, uh, the last Sunday of this month, where we'll, any question you have, we'll answer it. We have nothing to hide. Everything's out there on the table. And we want you to know how we will steward things well here. Um, I've, I've said this before. I want to say it one more time. But I, we don't look at money as the church's money. It's your time. It's your time. You earned a wage with your time, with your talent. Amen? And you tithe to the Lord out of obedience, trusting that we would steward it well. Am I telling the truth? And I want you to know that the fear of the Lord is on me and the leadership to steward your money well. I mean this with all my heart. Those that are around me more through the week can tell you this is absolutely my heart. I don't want to spend $40 knowing that someone worked 40 hours at $10 an hour to pay their $40 tithe and waste $40 and waste their 40 hours that week. You spent 40 hours working to tithe. That your, your time is valuable to us. I want you to know that. And so as we've implemented some, just some things and some changes and some new ideas, it's amazing to see what the Lord is doing here. He's blessing. So I just wanted you to know that. It's awesome. And so we get a chance to give joyfully at the end of the service. You can give online as well. But I just wanted to tell testimony. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. That's one of them. Amen. Amen. And I hear testimonies constantly, different kinds, not just financial, all kinds of testimonies. And so we say yes to more of that. Amen. Second Corinthians five, verse 17. Now it's right before this, it says you used to speak to people. Sorry, kids, you can go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I am one track to mine right now. Kids, you can go with with Mark. <laughs> All right, right here in, in 2 Corinthians 5, he's, he's talking to them, and he says, when you used to deal with people, you dealt with them according to the flesh. Um, and what he's literally saying is, uh, when you have a relationship with Paul, uh, you, you, you deal with him according to the reputation that Paul has, and he deals with you according to the reputation he has. And that's a fleshly thing, right? You're dealing with reputation. But he's saying, when you're in Christ, I don't want you to do this anymore. It says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to their flesh. How many have ever been around somebody that knows your ugly past and you could feel that they were thinking about it when they were with you? <laughs> well, I don't know if this guy's safe, right? That's what he's saying here. Don't do that anymore. Stop that. Don't be around people and be skeptical. If they're in Christ... Don't look at them according to their past, their history, and their flesh. He says, even though this is how we came to know Christ from our carnal mind, we don't even know him that way anymore. Think about that for a second. When we came to Christ, listen to this. This is really important. When we came to Christ, we began a relationship with him, of knowing him, with the, with, 
our fleshly mind still intact? And we are in a process of our mind being renewed. So when we first say yes to Jesus, the way I think about God is from a completely not necessarily a spiritual perspective. It's from a flesh, carnal perspective. Is this making any sense? It's like your paradigm for Jesus when you got saved, the, the, the lens that you see him through was from a worldly perspective. Even though you said yes to him, you still have that world, those worldly glasses that have to be removed by the renewing of our mind. And he's saying you used to even know Christ from a worldly perspective. This is why when people would get saved in the book of Acts, all of a sudden, they would try to worship the apostles like they were gods. Why? Because they had a carnal thinking. These people performed miracles. I believe in their God. I'm going to worship them. It was a fleshly, carnal mindset. But Paul was saying, no, 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 no. We're just like you. What was he doing? He was breaking down the carnal mind that had not been renewed yet to think spiritually. Is this making any sense? Like it's a real, I, I should spend a lot of time on that, but I'm not, so I apologize. What I mean is we come to Christ and the lens we see is from a worldly perspective. As we get to know him, he renews our mind and gives us all new glasses. So he's saying you used to think of Jesus from a worldly perspective. But he goes, but you don't know him that way anymore. What is he saying? You now know him from an enlightened spiritual perspective. It's very different. And he says, therefore, so because that's true, come on, listen. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everyone say new creation. New creation. And then he explains it more. The old things have passed away. What he's literally saying there is the old things that were there are now absolutely dead and they do not exist anymore. When I first got saved, it was very easy for me to, from a worldly perspective, think of people as hypocritical because they made a mistake. But when you mature in Christ and your mind is renewed, we no longer look at people through the lens of skepticism and from a worldly perspective. We now look at them as they are in Christ. They're a new creation. Is this, are y'all okay? Y'all are looking at me, big eyes. So because you're being renewed and you don't know Jesus from a worldly perspective anymore, he's saying, I don't want you to treat other people from a worldly perspective anymore. Because if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things that were their old reputation are absolutely gone. They do not exist. And new things have taken their place. How many say new things take their place? And it says these things are from God. Who reconciled us to himself. What, is it, what does it mean when you reconcile your bank statement? You're making sure it balances out. You're making sure, well, if we, we wrote a check here, then it was credited here, debited here. There's, it's really simple. It's plus or minus. And it evens out at the bottom. The numbers match. He reconciled us to God by taking the deficit that we all carried around. And he removed it from us through Jesus Christ. 
He reconciled us. He brought us back to factory reset. Now we're a new creation. He did this by not counting men's sins against them. Why? Because Jesus took our sin. So God no longer needed to put that in our negative category because His Son stepped in and took the pain and the suffering for our sin upon Himself. What does this all mean? Because then He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And it goes on to say that it's as if God was making His appeal to mankind through us. What's God wanting to do? To reconcile people back to, to, to God. How do we do that? We don't count men's sins against them. Why? Because we used to think of people from a worldly perspective, but now we're no longer legally allowed to do that as a believer. Because we don't know Christ that way anymore. We can't treat others that way. Is this making any sense? I'm going somewhere with it, I promise. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 22. I read this a few weeks ago. We did this absolute, I read this whole chapter, and we talked about David killing Goliath. Oh, how many love the story of David and Goliath? Yeah, we love the underdog. Even, even the secular America loves the underdog story, right? So in this story, in verse 22, there's a line there that's really important. So right before David is about to go after and take on Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, verse 22, he says this, Then David left his baggage, absolutely what it says, look it in your Bible. David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. And he ran to the battle line in order to greet his brothers. What did David do? He left his baggage. This is what I feel for this year. It's time to leave the baggage. And I, I wanted to solidify this today. I know the Lord's moved. I know that he's been in this room. I know that things have been happening. I also know that he wants us to move forward. Yes, he does. <clears throat> How many have, have, have you ever been tired of fixing problems that were yesterday's problems? Anybody? Besides me? Like, oh, I'm so tired of fixing things that were broken years ago. I'm tired of trying to fix relationships that were broken years ago. That's called baggage. And the Lord wants us to leave our baggage. All right? See, God has transformed us. We're new creations. The old things should not exist anymore. If there's something we need to take care of, then let's take care of it and let's move on. Let's take care of our stuff and move on. I feel for our church, and this, this is a really positive thing, I, I feel like, personally, that I've spent most of my time and my energy in 2017 just reorganizing things. Personally, with the church, everything. Just, all right, let's, let's fix this thing. Let's clean this thing up. Let's put this together. Let's, let's do this, this, and this. Let's, let's just clean everything up from the past, and let's start fresh in 2018. That's honestly how I felt all year long. What do we need to do to the building? Let's get some stuff fixed. We're doing things to the building right now. You'll see all the stuff soon. Things that needed to be done a long time ago. We're just doing it. We're getting it done. Knocking it out. Why? Because we need to take care of stuff. It's baggage. I'm tired of carrying it on. Yeah. 
tired of looking at it. Next few weeks, you're going to look up. The tiles are going to be back in. Why, they're supposed to be. The city told us to put them in. Let's do it. Tired of looking at that ugly ceiling up there. It's baggage. And all, I'll, I'll, I've been frustrated. Like, God, I want to do stuff that's progressive. I want to do stuff that matters for the future. I want to lay some foundations and do some things that my kids can partake in. I'm tired of digging up old stuff and dealing with it. I'm ready to go conquer some stuff in 2018. Amen. I'm ready to plant some trees that my kids get to eat the fruit of in 2018. Yeah. Instead of having to go back and cut down old trees that have rotten fruit on them. Yeah. I'm leaving the baggage behind. I'm telling you, 2018 is a different year for us. I know you say that every year. That's right. I say it every year. We all say it every year. We want it to be different. Everybody wants it to be different every year. Am I telling the truth? Something different. You don't want the same. Well, how, many, how many posts after, after the New Year's Eve? Well, nothing's changed. It's the same old year. That's, that's probably right because we didn't change the right things. Well, we're bringing baggage from last year into it. Let's deal with some stuff. See, God has transformed us. And the thing that's really awesome about these words like transformation and salvation is... They're not just a one-time thing. So when we say that we were saved, salvation, we're not just saved one time. The word is a, is a living word. It actually means he saved us and he continues to save us. He made us free and he continues to make us free. He healed us and he continues to make us whole. So when we say that we have been transformed into a new creation. We are a new creation that has been transformed, but we are also being transformed continually into his likeness. So we are in a process where if you ask me right now, Jared, are you a new creation? Absolutely, I'm a new creation. But if you want to know the truth, I'm going to be made a new creation for the rest of my life. I'm going to learn more and do more and understand more of the ways of the kingdom from now on. Jared, are you a transformed person? Absolutely. I don't even know the teenage Jared. I don't even know that guy. I don't even, I'm like, who is, where, where did he come from? How was I that? He went ever, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, I've been transformed, but guess what? I'm being transformed right now. Transformation is is the present responding to the future that God has declared over us. Transformation is my present responding to His word that He has prophesied over me from the future. I'm going to have to do a little dance to wake everybody up. This is, I'm telling you. See, God is not dealing with us in a present past way. And I've said this before. I've taught on this for a few years. But what I mean by that is when God is dealing with us and having a relationship with us, he doesn't bring the past into the moment. Come on, man. How many have ever been in a service and you sinned and you did something wrong and you felt guilty for it and you felt 
as you came in, or maybe you were praying, or you were, you, God, you felt conviction or whatever, you felt, and I got to fix that past thing first, so we're okay right now. Have you ever felt that before? Let's be honest. That's not how God deals with us. God deals us with us in our present from our future. He comes from what we're going to be, and he brings it to where we are now. Are there things we have to deal with? Yeah. I talked about tools. He gives us tools to deal with broken things or wounded things or issues that we carry that are not polished. But he does not bring those, those things as baggage into his relationship with us in the moment and hold it over our head. I hate it when I've, when I've done something wrong to somebody and I have to be around them. I hate that feeling. I'm like the little whipped dog. I have the tail between my legs and I just want to hide. I don't want to be around them. Because I feel guilty because of what I did to them. And all I can think about when I'm with them is what I did to them. God is not like that with us. He brings who we are in the future, whom He's transforming us into. He brings that into that moment, and then He speaks over us what He sees us as in the future. It's the truth. It's because God is loves to bring that emerging person to the surface. He does not like to punish who we have been in the past. He wants to discipline us to become who he sees us as in the future. Punishment makes us pay for the past. Discipline helps us not to do the past in the future. So if God wanted to punish us, basically he's making us pay for our sins. Well, I thought Jesus did that. And am I a clean enough sacrifice to pay for my sins? So God does not punish us, but he does discipline us. The Bible says he disciplines us because he loves us. The same way a father disciplines a child. Now you think, well, discipline means spanking. No, it doesn't. I'm not opposed to spanking. I've had millions of them myself. I turned out great. (laughs) I always say that's why I have no butt. My parents beat it off of me when I was a kid. That's just what happened, right? It's just the way it is. That's not discipline. Because a spanking, even though they are necessary at times, so those that want to spank, I'm not mad. Go for it. I don't want to be spanked anymore, but hey. That's basically punishment. It's pretty much saying, you did this thing and I want you to hurt for it. But discipline says, you did this really stupid thing back here. Do you know why you did it? I have no idea. Well, let's ask some questions and figure out why you did it. So that you can understand the problem. The problem isn't what you did. The problem is how you got to that conclusion. Punishment only deals with pay for that thing you did wrong. Discipline deals with the internal workings of how you got to that place. So when I say God speaks from the future, discipline, that's what I mean. He comes from the future, even when he convicts me, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. He brings a picture of who he thinks I am, and he puts that in front of me. He says, this is who you are to me. This is who I see. Jared, look at this picture right here. This is you. Do you see yourself in the mirror right now? No, God, I don't look like that guy right now. Well, what are we going to do about it? 
That's what repentance is. That's me seeing what God sees. Not from a man, I need to be punished for it mindset or a victim mentality. Poor me. No, it's a man, I want to be that guy for you. That's what he does. So God's the rewarder, not the punisher. Amen? So when he speaks over us, he's prophesying our future over us. And his word, come on, his word from the future is pregnant with grace so that we can see it come about. Think about that for a second. When God sends his word into you, it's pregnant with the grace needed to do the thing he says you can do. Remember, grace is not just undeserved favor. Grace is the empowering presence of God. So when God speaks over us, his words in John 6, 63 says, my words are spirit and they are life. So when he speaks over us, his words actually manifest into spirit and life so that when we believe what he says, it manifests itself with grace, which is the empowering presence of God so that we can look like and do what his word said we are. That's what it is when he speaks from our future into our present. And that's who God is. Amen? Abram, I know you're old and you have no kids, but guess what? I'm going to make you a nation. (laughs) Okay, God. Nice word. Thanks. Thanks for pouring salt in my wound of my barrenness. But what was God doing? This is who I see you as. I see you as Abraham. I know you're Abram now, but I'm coming to you from the future, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be a father of nations. Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Who, me? You're talking about me? I'm the smallest. I'm the least. First things he said to the angel, I'm the least. I'm the smallest from my family. I see you as a mighty man of valor. What was God doing? I'm coming from the future and I'm declaring who you're going to be now so that you can see what I see. And when you believe it, I will also give you the empowering presence, which is grace, and you're going to become that thing. Jeremiah, before I knew you, I formed you. And I raised you as a prophet to the nations to build up, to tear down. Come on. Disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Saul, get up. Follow my orders. Go to this certain city. Find a man named Ananias. And I've already told him your whole future, and he's going to tell you your future. And what did Saul, what happened to Saul? He becomes Paul. Still turning the world upside down, that man is. Why? Because God spoke to him with the discipline of the future. And God's doing that to us right now. He's transforming us into fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. See, repentance is a present future act. I don't want to say it's like a, well, it's a present future thing, right? But regret is a past thing. Always the past. Regret does not produce any fruit. Repentance produces fruit. As a matter of fact, Jesus requires us to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You can't have repentance and not have fruit in your life. It's just not not possible. So what is repentance? It's seeing things the way God sees them. 
whether it's a mistake, whether it's a sin, or whether it's a pos- positive thing. God, you see me as, as a mighty man of valor, and I see myself as a mouse. I'm sorry for that. That's repentance. So when we repent, we become fruitful. When we don't repent, we live in regret, and all we feel is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. And guess what happens when you feel sorry long enough? You become sorry. It's pitiful. There's no fruit in that. I'm going to close with this. He redeemed our past. Would you say that with me? God redeemed my past. So what does it mean when you redeem something? There's an exchange that takes place, and now you've become the owner of something. So when God says, I redeemed your past, he owns our past. Hello? Yeah, come on. Like, it's, it's not my past anymore. It's God's. God paid for it. He paid the penalty for it. It's His. I, I can't take it as my own anymore. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. All things have been made new. How? Jesus redeemed me. So my past isn't mine. He owns it. It's not ours. What's the point? 2017. The past, the mistakes, the failures, it's baggage. If it was bad tools, man, there's a a friend of mine, man, I love this guy, and he loves the Lord, but he was having a real hard time with organized religion, and I'm not going to tell a lot of details of this because just just to to protect our relationship, but he he began to add other things to his uh, relationship with God that weren't bad things. They weren't bad at all. one of them included meditation. Well, the Bible says to meditate. So I was like, hey, go ahead, meditate. The Bible says to do it. One of the things that he learned in this, in this process was they use a term, um, that some people he's hanging with, use a term, um, he, they don't call people broken people. Man, the church calls a lot of people broken. Like, I think that it probably offends God. I've called myself that. Well, God, I'm just broken. Wait a second. Does God make broken stuff? Honestly. I may, be, I may do some stupid stuff. Right? I may. But I'm not broken. So we call things broken. Well, what they say in this group that he's been hanging out with is no, they just, they have bad tools. Bad tools. I was like, you know, I think they're on to something with that. Because the, most of the stupid things we do in life is it's we learned it, or it's to protect ourselves, or it's defense mechanism, all that, and we do stupid stuff to hide really what's going on. That's really what it is. I'm not broken. I just need to be made new. The the world they're not broken. I think that's got to be. I, I know a lot of people that I've said this to in the world that didn't know God. I say, they're just broken people. They get offended with that too. Well, you're supposed that God made them, then how are they broken? Like, man, you kind of have a point. So the past, the mistakes, the failures, don't say your marriage is broken or you're broken or your emotions are broken or you're just a broken person. Don't say that anymore. Just say, God, I need better tools. Holy Spirit, I need better tools. I need better tools for my marriage. We hit this earlier. Kind of ties everything up.
Better tools for finances. Better tools to, to be a nice guy to people. People skills, man. I can take some more of those, right? I'll sign me up for a lesson in people skills, God. Thank you. Tools, better tools, but you're not broken. So 2017, we dealt with a lot of baggage. A lot of stuff came up. I'm sure more stuff will come up in the future. It's just kind of life. Life is messy. The point is, can we leave the baggage? Can we become new creations and be new creations? Continue to be transformed? And can we run to the battle? So this is a word for Fire Life Church. I'm saying this because I want you to hear it too. I felt like the Lord said he's proud that we're dealing with stuff, taking care of things. I really do. I felt like the Lord said that so clear. And I also felt like he gave us the green light to think future now. I really do. Yeah, you're ready, right? You're ready, you're ready, you're ready, you're ready. Future, let's go for this. This is what the Lord said to me about three or four weeks ago. Do not underestimate my plans for Fire Life Church. I was like, all right. He said, don't underestimate the integrity, the authority, the impact. It's like, all right, whatever that looks like, God. I sign up for it. I don't want to underestimate you. And as he's been saying over and over again, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would give you. So anyone else want to leave some baggage and move on? Let's go. Let's plant some trees for our kids and our grandkids. Yeah. All right. Let's stand and let's do some. I don't know. We're going to do something. I think we need to do some kind of prophetic act. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow is the first year, the one year anniversary of us being one church instead of two. So that's awesome. It's been fun. It went by fast. I can't, I can't believe it went by so fast. A lot of stuff happened in a year. So, let's take the garbage out. Right? Leave the baggage with the baggage carriers. Who's that? Jesus. So, all right, this is cheesy. Bear with me. I'm a cheesy guy. It's all right. I'm a, I love the hopeless romantic TV shows, too. Hallmark movies are great. I could write them, but they're great. (laughs) Let's take our baggage like it's a bag, and let's just drop it off. Simple. I'm leaving the baggage. I'm not going to complain anymore about what I'm having to clean up in my personal life, in my marriage. It's baggage. I'm leaving it. I'm not going to complain about the task at hand. I'm hopeful. Would you say that I'm hopeful? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Would you um, either join hands or put your hand on a shoulder or someone next to you? I want to pray into this. <clears throat> hmm.
Father, what a good day. What a good day it was. And I love that you reminded us that we're what attracts you. People attract you. God, I ask that you would be ever present in every one of our lives. Everyone here. Everyone listening. Be ever present in our lives. Let us see you everywhere. The front, behind, right, left, up, down, all over us, God. Father, I pray that as we literally move into this new year, that we leave the baggage with you. If we need to deal with something, you bring it up. And we will partner with you to deal with it. Otherwise, we're leaving the baggage with you. You redeemed our past. You bought it. Which means all of our baggage belongs to you. And you can deal with it however you see fit. Our promise to you is that we will trust you. Our promise to you is that we will not underestimate what you want to do in our lives. Our promise to you is that we will surrender. Now, God, I pray that 2018, for for me, for this church, for everyone in this room and listening, 2018 will be a year of progress, of fruitfulness, of multiplication. I want to plant some character trees in 2018 for my great-grandchildren. I want to plant some wisdom trees for my great-grandchildren. I want to see this church take the next step in progress. Every family take the next step, whatever that step is. And God, we will celebrate all along the way because we are so happy to be your children. (laughs) And we're thankful that you're a good God. Amen to that. Amen. The ushers, will you go ahead and get in place we're going to give as we go? Give as we go.